The epistle for this third Sunday after Easter is for the first epistle of St. Peter. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims to refrain yourselves from carnal desires which war against the soul, having your behavior good among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by the good works which they shall behold in you and glorify God in the day of visitation. Be you subject, therefore, to every human creature for God's sake, whether it be to the king as excelling or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of the good. For such is the will of God, that by doing well you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not making liberty a cloak for malice, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thanksworthy in Jesus Christ our Lord. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 16th chapter of the Gospel of St. John. At that time, Jesus said to his disciples, A little while, and you shall not see me, and again a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said one to another, what is this that he says to us, a little while and you shall not see me, and again a little while and you shall see me, and because I go to the Father? They said, therefore, what is this that he says, a little while? We do not know what he's saying. And Jesus knew that they had a mind to ask him, and he said to them, of this do you inquire among yourselves, because I said, a little while and you shall not see me, and again a little while and you shall see me. Amen, amen, I say to you, that you shall lament and weep, but the world shall rejoice, and you shall be made sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour is come. But when she has brought forth the child, she remembers no longer the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. So also you now indeed have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man shall take from you. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, when our Lord comes back from the dead and he visits the apostles time and again, after his resurrection, he comes to give them a piece of heaven. And that is the piece of heaven. He wants to give them peace. And that's why when you read these accounts of the apparitions after the resurrection, you always see our Lord when he first sees the apostles saying, Peace be to you. These words from our Lord are causal, we may say, in that it's he's giving peace to them. But in a sense, they're also a command. He's commanding them to possess peace, possess the peace that he gives. At the Last Supper, he had said to the apostles, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled or be afraid. It's a command. They are to take this peace that he's given them, and they're not to let it go. They're to cherish it. They're to guard it. And we know that the apostles did not do a very good job. That same night, they were scattered. They lost the peace of Christ. That peace of Christ is 
symbolized in a solemn high mass. You don't see a solemn high mass too often here. But next time we have one, try to pay attention. You'll see after the Agnus Dei, the priest says the mass, that he says it, says the prayer that he says at every mass, where he prays for peace for the church. And then he kisses the altar on which Christ is present. It's as if he's kissing our Lord and he's getting that peace of Christ. And he turns around to the next minister, which is the deacon, and he gives him sort of a half embrace and he says, peace be to you. He's imparting to him the peace of Christ. And then the deacon goes on and spreads that peace to the rest of the clergy present there for Mass. Peace be to you. This was the gift bestowed upon the apostles by our Lord after his resurrection. It is the peace that our Lord possessed before, during, and after his terrible death on the cross. The peace of Christ is something that's constant. It does not change. When you look at the Shroud of Turin, what you see on there is a man who's been brutalized. He's been tortured beyond imagination. He's gone through horrible, horrible trauma. Yet on his face is the most serene peace that you could ever see on the face of anyone. When we look at other faces from ancient times of people, or we look in the graves of people who have been crucified, we see something very, very different. We see people who are tortured, who are twisted in their faiths, who, who are in a state of total agony and horror. But the face of Christ, even in death, is a face of peace. Our Lord wanted to restore the peace to the apostles that they had lost after he had given it to them at the Last Supper. And he wants to give that peace to you. He wants you to possess it throughout your life. And even, as I say, commands you to hold on to that peace. What is that peace? What is this peace of heaven? Well, let me first say what it's not, so that we can understand what it is. First of all, this peace is not hippie peace. It's not the peace of Woodstock, the peace where you have sexual promiscuity and you do drugs to sort of numb yourself, to numb your conscience, to reach a state where you're totally unfeeling to the world outside of you. That's definitely not the peace that our Lord is talking about. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll have never been a good formula for peace. They put people in a state where they completely avoid the responsibilities of this life. It's definitely not the peace that our Lord is talking about. The peace that he gives you is a peace that you possess when you're completely alive. You're not in a state of comfortable numbness. Secondly, this peace is not peace with the world. We're meant to be peacemakers. Our, law, our Lord calls peacemakers blessed. And yet, at the same time, we all know that it's impossible to please everybody all the time. You can please some people some of the time, but you can't please everybody all of the time. He tells the apostles at the Last Supper 
that the world is going to hate them and the world is going to persecute them. There's no way to be a follower of a Christ and not at the same time be persecuted to some degree unjustly by the world. We know that in the history of the world, the greatest of peacemakers, starting with our Lord Jesus Christ, have often been put to death by the world. They've been so hated by the world that they've been killed by the world. So this is not a question of having peace with the world, where you're going to get along with everybody. No, that's not what he's talking about. Thirdly, he's not talking about a peace that you have with your own selfishness, where you sort of become complacent with yourself. You sort of say to yourself, traditional Catholic, go to Mass, say my rosary. I'm okay. It's all good. I don't need to strive for my salvation. On the contrary, our Lord uses very different words about the struggle that we need to have. He says, it's, it's the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and it's the violent who bear it away. And he's not talking about picking fights with other people. He's talking about doing violence to yourself, mortifying yourself. It's not being complacent with your own self. Our Lord's peace is not hippie peace. It's not peace with the world. It is not peace with our own selfishness and vices. What is it then? It is a peace that exists interiorly in your soul, and it comes from the conviction that you possess the supreme good and that nothing can take it away from you. It's the consciousness that you possess in your soul, our Lord Jesus Christ himself, God himself, in the state of grace. You have the life of God. And that no matter what goes on outside of you, no matter how evil the world is, how unjust it is to you, how many tribulations you experience, if there's an economic crisis, if there's a political crisis, if there's strife in your family, no matter what happens, none of that, absolutely nothing, has the power to take away from you that supreme good. You have the supreme good, the thing that's most important, and nothing can take it from you. I mean, think about it. Think about it. You are in a state of mind where you say, what is the most important thing for me in this life? The thing that matters above all things, the thing that I must possess above all other things to accomplish my end, to be happy, to achieve my purpose. It is the life of God. I think that I have that life of God in me. Am I going to lose it? Is there anything that can take it away from me? Will the evils of this world take it away from me? Does anybody have any power? Does the tyranny of this world have any power to wrest that away from me? If I'm thrown into a concentration camp, if I go through the worst things possible in my life, will that necessarily strip away that life of God? No. No. This is the peace that one of the greatest followers of Christ achieved, even though his life was so full of difficulties and persecutions. I'm talking about that athlete of Christ, St. Paul, who went through living hell in his life as an apostle. He was absolutely immersed in the troubles of this world, 
His life was so full of stress. He was persecuted and hated everywhere that he went. And yet, what did he say? What did he say to the Romans about his frame of mind, about the peace that existed in his soul while he's living in this hurricane of life that was his, his cause and apostle? He said to them, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or famine or nakedness or danger or persecution, or the sword. In all these things, we overcome because of him that has loved us. I've been through all these things. And throughout all of them, nothing, none of them, nothing that the world has been able to throw at me has been able to take away the love of Christ. And he goes on, I am certain that neither death nor life nor angels, and by that he means devils, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor might, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's absolutely sure that nothing outside of him has any power to take away from him the supreme good that he possesses, that Christ, he no longer lives, but Christ lives in him, and therefore he has all that he needs in this life, and he's completely secure in that. Whenever St. Paul starts off his letters, he always begins by wishing this peace upon those who are receiving his letter, whether it be the Romans, the Thessalonians, twice to them, twice to the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Colossians, the Philippians, even the individual people he writes, his friends, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, he always begins by wishing for them this peace. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the peace that he possessed this is the peace, that constant peace of Christ. This is the peace that we are meant to possess as one of the greatest blessings of having the Catholic faith. It is a peace that comes from loving God and holding on to him as your supreme good. And it's not a peace that the world can give you. Nothing that the world can give you, whatever possession you may have, whatever the world may offer you, with none of it will you ever be able to say, I possess this thing and there is no way that I can lose it. Nothing can take this away from me, whatever it is that I possess. You can't say, I got the job or now I've got a new car or I've, I've got a family. And I'm so happy and content that I possess this thing because I'm never going to lose it. I'm always going to have it. None of these things are your supreme good. None of them will you ever possess in such a way that you cannot lose them. There's always the danger that you might lose these things. And no matter what the world gives you, that will always be true. The only good that you can possess that absolutely nothing can take away from you is God himself. He is the only possession that you can both have and rest secure in possessing. That is, of course, 
unless you yourself want to throw God away. And that's what I'm assuming all throughout this. And all this language of St. Paul and um, our, our Lord giving the peace and so on, it all assumes that you want God because you definitely have the power to throw God away. You definitely have the power to give away your supreme good. Everything that we've been talking about concerns the peace that you have when you're right with God. And you realize that no matter what troubles you experience in life, no matter what evils are going on in the world, nothing outside of you can take God away from you. But you can give God away. You can choose some creature above, to be above God. You can choose a few moments of illicit sexual pleasure. You can choose the comfort of your own bed on Sunday rather than going to Mass. You can choose to take from someone else something that does not belong to you and say that will be my happiness over God, something I prefer to God. And so give God away. This is why that same St. Paul who speaks about this surety that he has, this, this absolute conviction that he has that, that Christ cannot be taken away from him, it's the same St. Paul who says that he chastises his body and brings it into subjection so that he does not become a castaway. He's worried about himself. He's worried that he might betray Christ in himself. This is the same St. Paul that says that he works out his salvation in fear and trembling. He has a surety that the world, the evils of the world, cannot take away Christ from him. But he's not so sure about himself. He is aware that his own selfishness in certain circumstances to, could move him in a given situation to throw Christ away. So my dear Fifo, in this during this Eastertide, I myself would like to say to you, with our Lord, with St. Paul, these those beloved words, those very special words that appear at the beginning of all of St. Paul's epistles, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a mission that you have as Catholics, a blessing that's meant to be possessed by you, that you have the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ dwelling in you on a regular basis in your soul. It's a constant thread that moves all throughout your life. You're supposed to taste that peace that the world cannot give you in all of its goods and, and say to yourself, this is a benefit that I must cherish, that, that I, I have this realization that through my faith, I possess God himself. I have the life of God dwelling in me. And I love this, to have, to have this, this life of God in myself. And nothing is going to be able to take away, no matter what crosses come to me, nothing will be able to take it away from me. If you do not possess this peace, it is probably because you do not love that supreme good sufficiently. You might love God as your greatest good, but you also have these other loves that you're allowing into your heart that compete with that. Your eye is not single. So you love God, but you love other things. And there's this war for your heart that's going on within you. And so you cannot rest in the God that dwells in your own soul. You cannot be content with God dwelling in your own soul. Your heart is restless because it's always trying to divide its love 
among these created goods. It's far too dependent on the things that go on around you or on the world itself and too little dependent on your love of God. So my dear faithful, God willing, you possess our Lord Jesus Christ in your soul. You have the state of grace. You possess him in the sacrament of Holy Communion. This is an incredible gift. It's an unbelievable possession. It is what you are made for. And if that's what you want in this life, then you're going to be at peace, no matter what happens to you. But if you desperately want to hold on to something else of this world, if you're dying that you never lose it, then, of course, you will forever be seeking peace and not find it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.